Welcome back. We've decided the next couple of weeks to counter-program, get off of the political trail that everybody's on, and talk about some deeper things. So we are actually going to be uh, accessing some content we recently produced that was a panel discussion uh, on the issue of uh, theology and race. Remember, mm-hmm. we talked about how that's uh, theology is essential to understanding race and ethnicity, and so this is kind of feeding into that. So we're going to be talking about uh, the Imago Day, and we're going to talk about the glory of God. Enjoy. And tonight, I'm very excited because we are going to focus on the doctrine of the image of God. The title of this teaching is The Imago Dei, Reflecting God's Character. I'll be jumping around a few different scriptures. Um, Ultimately, the theme that I'm wanting to communicate is that being made in God's image carries implications, important ones, for how we see, relate to, and love one another. The main point is that our value of God can be measured in part. Our value of God can be measured by how we value those made in his image. I've got three simple points and we're gonna jump right into point number one. (laughs) The stunning reality of being made in his image. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them and God blessed them. Oftentimes when, uh, Theologians speak of the the direction uh, that God gave. It's called the creation mandate. So this creation mandate uh, is important. God has set us over his creation to rule and to multiply and to work in a way that honors and glorifies him. Take a minute. The God of all creation, the one who is sovereignly over all, the all powerful, the all majestic, the all glorious, the one whom we worship each and every single day, the one who is omnipotent and whose love and his grace and his compassion and his goodness cannot be measured. This God, we are made in his likeness. Many things about people are badly damaged, but God's image and people's status as being created in that image are not. The fall in Genesis 3 didn't taint or damage God's image in us. That is still completely there, which means the calling of bearing his image is still fully there as well. Uh, We don't have to wait until the new creation to walk in obedience to the mandate that was given to us as his image bearers. John Piper has spoken on this doctrine at length, um, and he has simplified an understanding of the Imago Dei as the following. He says, uh, and when I say Imago Dei, I'm meaning the image of God. Um, He says the following, the Imago Dei is that in man, which constitutes him as him whom God loves. Every single one of us. Essentially, the image of God is a stamp marked on every single human being from God that says, I love this one. 
That's what it means to be made in the image of God. And the greater our view of God is, the more significant his love for his creation, uh, for his image bearers will be. Uh, And the more it will affect what it means for us to bear and reflect his image. We must make much of being made in the image of God. Point number two, the high calling of being made in his image. So we are called to reflect God's image, not simply by our appearance and how, and how we look, but also with our character. Listen, people ought to be able to look at us, see how we live, see how we love, see how we communicate, use our words, show compassion, show love, the way that we deal with those who have wronged us, the way that we forgive and reconcile with one another. People should be able to see those things and they should be able to comment and they should see it in a way that makes, that makes them say, that's how God does that. Our conduct and our character should be godly. It should look like God's character for his glory. When we speak to each other, when we disagree with each other, when we are trying to understand one another, we have to do so in a way that appropriately maps on to our identity as image bearers. Can I speak freely for a moment? We are not good at that. And I'm saying we because I'm saying me. I am not good at that as I ought to be. We allow emotions to angrily change our language. Tribalism takes over and we dichotomize each other. It is the us, it is, versus, it is us versus them. And these things ought not to be so. We are made in the image of God. We are, especially as Christians, are in the same family of God. When we speak to one another, that has implications. I need to speak to someone in a way that as I'm speaking, I must think, I must do so in a way that honors God. This person has God in them. This person is a reflection of God. John Kilner writes, people who are viewed in terms of the dignity, sacredness, equality, and unity grounded in their identity as being in God's image will be treated in certain ways. People will treat them with respect. By treating those created in the image of God in a particular way, one treats the creator in the same way. This is our calling as image bearers. This is part of our mandate to reflect and image forth God's character as we delight in the truth that we are made in his image. We can't speak crazy to each other. We cannot just loft accusations. We cannot speak to one another removing charitable judgment. We can't put all of our stock in worldliness and worldly categories and worldly things, wanting to win arguments or prove a point or to throw a zinger in at the end of an argument and get the last word. That's not how our God treats us. That's not the character of our God. We need to image forth the character of God. And finally, point number three, the perfect savior as the perfected image. 
If you want to see what a life looks like when someone is aware of the stunning reality of bearing God's image, as well as understanding and rising to the high calling of bearing his image, we must look no further than our perfect savior, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jumping down to verse 19. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Second Corinthians 4, 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Christ is the image of God perfected. You wanna know what it looks like to, to follow these things, to understand the high calling and to understand the stunning reality of being made in his image, we must look at Christ. And we have to stop and think about what Christ's life looked like. Jesus poured out his mercy on the oppressed, the downtrodden, and the outcast all throughout his earthly ministry. And culminating in pouring out his mercy on us, we who were the ones who were truly outcast. And Christ reconciled us to God. Jesus, throughout his ministry, healed the sick. He empathized with the hurting. Think of Lazarus. He wept with those. Who, who, who were weeping at Lazarus' death. Jesus entered into that. The lepers, uh, the, he empathized and lovingly corrected the rich and wicked tax collectors. He wasn't only hanging out in Samaria. He, he went to the tax collectors and the rich. Jesus is, is walking around loving and caring everybody. He preached the message of the gospel to all people, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of class, and regardless of gender. He was full of compassion. You know what got Jesus fired up and angry? <laughs> Hypocrites. The, the stuffy, religious relief that allowed their religion and the love of law to snuff out and quench the fire of compassion and grace and love towards outsiders. That's what got Jesus fired up. That's when he started calling people a brood of vipers. We must have compassion and grace and love. This is how we as image bearers ought to act. We must have a relentless Christ exalting compassion and grace towards people, wanting to magnify the majesty of our God as his image bearers. But people are messed up, which is why Christ in his kindness is not only the perfect example of one who bears God's image, but is also the solution as the one who renews our image to perfection. Meaning, one day, <laughs> we will bear and reflect the image of God without sin in the new heavens and the new earth. So, so maybe Jared Mellinger, um, first question, how, do you, how can we understand this and relate it to our personal lives, our identities? Identity is a big thing these days. How do we relate it to identity? Well, yeah, exactly. Because, because identity is a big thing and there are identities that we have that are less foundational than this identity that we have of being made in the image of God. And so I think one of the, one of the helpful effects of this doctrine is that it, um, 
it gives other identities their proportion. And so I think specifically in this context to think of ethnic identity, um, we do have an ethnic identity, but uh, more foundational than that is what we have in common as those who bear the image of God. And so because, uh, so one of the ways that, that the image of God informs how we view our ethnic identity is that we can't view our own ethnicity as superior to that of others. We can't, look down on that other uh, nationality. We can't insult that other, that other nationality or ethnicity. Um, that's an implication of understanding our own, uh, uh, our own ethnic identity as those who bear the image of God. One other thing just related to self, I mean, I really do feel like if, if you understand yourself to be one who is made in the image of God, that is the, that's what the world is, is searching for in terms of significance, in terms of where is dignity, where is value found. It's there, it's not in accomplishments. It's, our identity isn't found in, even in the, the bad things that have happened to us. It has to be tied to how we think about God. Like, Everything we want, we want God to be honored. We want God to be glorified. Uh, we want people to see his glory. We want to see um, the beauty of who he is. And we want to, again, image forth uh, uh, his beauty and his love. And so whenever there is any type of mistreatment or, 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 or victimization that happens, first and foremost, it is wicked because it is done to someone who was bearing the image of our beautiful and glorious and majestic God. And so, and what that does is it doesn't minimize our reaction. It actually intensifies it. Um, think injustice should uh, turn our stomachs more so than the world because we have the proper understanding of why injustice is wicked. Um, as we look at people who are made in his image because of our high view of God, we, <laughs> there should be that righteous indignation that says that is not okay, that is not right. That person has dignity. That person is marked by God as the one whom he loves. And um, so Christians should care about this, uh, uh, about injustice. Christians should uh, step into this boldly, not being worried that we're going to be pulled in, in the direction of the culture because we have such a firm foundation to stand on. Um, the, the Bible speaks into these issues. The Bible uh, can consistently guide us. Keep the Bible close to your chest. Keep God's word uh, grounded in your heart. And you're going to see, hopefully by, uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that our compassion for others will grow as we grow in our love for God. Amen. Okay. One of the things I think about this and making a comment on it is when I'm interacting with something, watching something, and I hear, and in the area of race and ethnicity, and I hear my sense of who I am challenged, mm. I hear my sense of who I am as a, as a man, uh, as a white man, as a, an American, yeah. um, challenged, the feeling that comes to me is a feeling of being threatened. Mm. I feel like you're threatening me in my identity. Mm. And so, uh, and that's an, that's an uncomfortable thing. I think it should, would be for anybody. Um, so how can this idea of the image of God help me when I'm observing something and feel threatened by it? Not physically threatened in the moment, but identity threatened that I somehow feel like, okay, now I'm 
being challenged just based on who I am. How can this help me? Mm. Yep, what do you think? <laughs> um, a couple thoughts come to mind. Um, and because I, I think that's tied into uh, a lot of the questions coming in are, are wrestling with guilt. Uh, yeah. Should yeah. I feel guilty? Uh, yeah. Are you guys just harboring us with white guilt? And I would say emph- emphatically, no. <laughs> that is yeah. not what the goals of any of these meetings are. That is not. If there is some type of, because uh, I think there's a lot in what you described of that reactionary, I feel threatened. And... Um, if you feel threatened when we are addressing these issues, I would just slowly kind of walk towards you and just, and just ask you, and I've got to ask myself these too. Like whenever I'm saying this, don't hear me saying, you, 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 never, 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 never me. Yeah. This is something I have to actively wrestle with is what part of my identity do I put more stock and value in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I, if you're a white person, are you putting it in comfortability and not needing to engage these things and being able to kind of ignore these things and go on. Is that something you don't want to be threatened is, is, uh, and for me as, as a black person, um, am I okay with me being made in the image of God being in, in a, to an infinite amount more important than my life as a black American? And I would, I hope so. Um, mm-hmm. Our identity, like our ethnicities explain a lot of things about it. There's ethnicity all throughout the scriptures. It talks about these things, it explains certain things, but underlying it all, the, the why of why certain things matters is because we are made in the image of God. For, like we can't understand ourselves apart from that, which is why the world is in chaos because they're trying to. They're trying to nail down these certain identities. They're trying to say, I can change my identity if I want to. No, you cannot. You are made in God's image. That is the core of who you are as a person. I don't, did I answer your question? I got all fired up again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What what came across to me though, as you're talking, was was Toy Story. Well, yeah. <laughs> where, where Woody every time just looks at his shoe and says, Andy. And I thought, okay, well, that's the image of God right there. You know, okay, owned by that, owned by that. Doesn't matter what I think about myself right now. Uh, owned by that, that's where I start. Yes. And uh, so, uh, so um, the second part of this is, uh, is dealing with um, the question of uh, relating to others. Yeah. And obviously there's a, there's a tendency we all have, like, likes, like we tend to gravitate toward those like us mm-hmm. uh, because they support intrinsically what we are, mm-hmm. um, which means that those who are not like us can be the other. I think you mentioned that. How do we relate to people where there's a sense of their otherness that I feel like I can't interact with through the image of God? I mean, it was as... This was the point where, as, as JT was teaching, I just felt like if I really understand this and apply this, it changes everything mm-hmm. in my life and my relationships. I was thinking, actually, as, uh, as you were teaching, about marriage and about mm-hmm. kids and about fellow pastors mm-hmm. and about church members and about those who have... Uh, other perspectives and other ethnicities yes. and you know a- any differences where they exist this 
is transforming in how I relate to people if I understand it. Yeah. And so part of me is just praying like, Lord, help yes. me to yeah. every person that I come across, every disagreement that I have to, it's, it's a matter of viewing that person as God views them. Amen. Not as someone, not, okay, you are someone who disagrees with me on this issue. Okay, you are someone who is a threat to me in this way. Okay, you're someone who is in error in this way. Fundamentally, this is someone who is created by God, mm. loved by God, and exists for the glory of God. Mm. And that ought to make all the difference in how I, yeah. in how I relate to them. And so this, yeah. is a, this is a theological grid and truth that I just want to put over every yeah. relationship yeah. in my mm. life and pray that God gives the grace yeah. to, to apply it. Yeah. That, that phrase in Psalm 8, crowned with glory mm. and honor, I mean, take the, take the difficult yes. people in your life, take yeah. the, the people that you disagree with, take the people who tempt you the most, take the people with the views that you think are, are most errant, crowned with glory yeah. and honor yeah. as those who bear the image of God. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as you're even saying that, I'm just thinking, we, we're not just dealing with these current times. Yeah. We're, we're not just dealing with the year 2020. We are dealing with eternal souls. Um, and that's, that's weighty. Uh, that's really weighty. I, I, all of us can fall into the just defensiveness and step into this emotional state where it's like, okay, we're about to scrap. Here we go. I'm gonna throw my fist. I'm gonna win this argument. I'm gonna do this thing. And it's just like, man, if you just stepped outside of yourself for a little bit, Jared, I'm talking to myself. Mm -hmm. If you just stepped outside of yourself for a little bit and remembered that eternal souls are at stake, like uh, I, I, it's gonna change how you interact with things. One of the things that I've been thinking about is that there's, space that exists between being uh, a racist and having arrived at perfection. <laughs> you know, it seems kind of obvious, but it's yeah. an important point, I think, mm -hmm. because uh, it's difficult for us to acknowledge that we haven't arrived in this area right. uh, without, so are you saying I'm a racist? Mm -hmm. um, and and should, I, you know, should I feel guilty about that? So this, it's sort of a, it's a I'm just wanting to, to take the question and say, well, a good important starting point is to be able to say, um, I have room to grow in viewing others as image bearers and in relating to them as those who bear the image of God. It's the same uh, challenge that Jonah faced and how he viewed the Ninevites. Mm -hmm. It's the same challenge that, that Peter faced uh, with uh, Jews and Gentiles and why the Apostle Paul uh, corrected him on it. And it's something that, uh, uh, that touches our lives yeah. as well. So that doesn't really answer the, the question, <laughs> but it is to say we ought to be, I, I hope that the question is one that we're all asking. Yeah. Sure. How, do I, yeah. how do I apply this is, and how do I yeah. grow in this, especially in the realm of, of yeah. Uh, ethnicity? Yeah. 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 Cultivating humility, I think, goes hand in hand with being able to apply this. Yeah. And so um, what do you do to cultivate yeah. humility? confess your sins, uh, speak about your temptations, live in the light. Um, I think that's the only way we're going to yeah. be able to grow in this and be able to apply this in specific ways is to 
acknowledge I'm not doing this as I ought to be. And I'm sorry for doing that. And, uh, you know, God gives grace to the humble. Um, pray. We can pray. God, help me to apply this doctrine of the image of God and how I speak to people and how I speak to my wife and how I engage these issues. Lord, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you move that to the forefront of not only my mind, but also my heart? Would you raise my affections for people as I look at them, recognizing they are made in your image? Yeah. Um, I think it's a prayer we can all pray every day. Here's something, as you're talking, it comes to my mind, I think, you know, this idea of charitable, being charitable, uh, you know, that's a gospel-drenched concept, yeah. which I think is, is wonderful. When we talk about this, I go to the Old Testament. I don't go to the New Testament. I go to the Old Testament, and I think about people who mishandled mm -hmm. the holy things of God. Hmm. The, and so... From a New Testament perspective, I'm not dealing with the image of God in another person well. I want someone to say, have charitable judgment. Be humble. I need somebody to also say, do you not fear God mm. in the way you relate to that person? Mm. Do you not fear God? Made in the image of God, you're disdaining. Oof. What did God do? Not that he's going to do that with us, but... To me, there's a gravitas of Old Testament yeah. holiness mm. that has to work its way into our understanding That's good. in order for us to value the image of God in people because it is the image of God. Right, yes. right. And this is what's behind those places in the Proverbs where it says that he who insults the poor and speaks against the poor insults his maker yeah it's yeah. a it's a it's an it's the image of god that's behind that reality where there are those who are uh, and they're specifically in view is the poor is the vulnerable where they are mistreated uh it is insulting the creator of the universe it is cosmic treason it is uh a sin of uh of weighty proportions Race slavery became validated by Christians in the 16 and 1700s because Christians denigrated the image of God in man. Why did they do that? They took enlightenment thinking about the nature of beings and black and white and they eliminated the category of the image of God in man as it related to those who are other. And they called them less because the world system gave them those categories. So the, so the, so the, the Christian world fostered slavery by adopting worldly standards yeah. and getting rid of the image of God in man. That's the key doctrine they lost. Yeah. We're in a season now where obviously the image of God in man doesn't matter to the world because the world doesn't believe in God. And we're in the same place. Whereas Christians, we want to adopt the cultural views and cast away the image of God in man, woman, personhood, for the sake 
of what seems to fit our prevailing idea of people. So I'm, I'm more you know, offering that because I think we have a historic moment here that we, what you shared tonight is not just, oh, this is a great doctrine to start with. This is the hinge mm. historically mm. Yes. on how oppression happens mm. with the other. Yeah. It's the loss of this doctrine. Mm. Yes. So any kind of closing thoughts? Well, I think in reflecting on what you've just said there, one of the key tasks before us and us as pastors, us as a church, is to distinguish between uh, a secular worldview of these things and a biblical worldview. And a lot of people sending questions around that very issue. And I was so encouraged. There's so much in the question because that to amen, because it's like, yes, you see the need to distinguish between, you know that so much in the world that's happening in the name of justice is in fact antithetical to yes. biblical justice and, and what it is. And so Christians can, we can so easily be swept up in the confusion of the, of the moment. And it's why I'm so encouraged by these times, the approach that's being taken to say, we're going to engage these issues in a biblical and theologically informed way. So one, we're gonna engage the issues. Yeah. There are some who would say, let's not engage, but, you know, <laughs> we, we can just uh, uh, be, be silent on these things. Let's not address them. That would, no. Because the Bible speaks, we're gonna to speak to them, but we're gonna do so in a way that's biblically and theologically informed. So there's a lot of conflating of the secular and biblical worldviews in our world among Christians, and they're joined together as one. And what happens then is you either have people buying into the secular worldview, thinking that it's the biblical worldview, and they are swept up in the ways of the world, or, both of them are disregarded so that when biblical justice is addressed, all people can hear are the, the secular ideas right. because they've been conflated. That's one of the main challenges that we face as pastors yeah. as we look to speak to these things biblically is, that, is, is this whole issue of the, the conflating of the biblical and secular understanding. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in saying, here's the world's version of these things. Here's what the scripture says. When we talk about oppression, when we talk about being a victim, don't say, oh, that's the world's way, that's critical. No, 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 the Bible talks about these <laughs> yes, things, yeah. but it does so in a different way. Yes. And Same words sometimes, different definitions. Yes. yes. And that's really challenging. Even with justice, yes. even with yeah. race, yeah. Yeah. and it, even with diversity, yes. and on through, it's yeah. everything. And, and so, love. yes, <laughs> yes. So, and I'm just so grateful that we're in this together as a church family. It's, I know the hearts of every member in this church to, I, mean, I love that when we hear a message like this, what yeah. JT preached, no one's thinking, oh, I don't think these people are in the image of God, which is not a given, given the history yeah. of the church. So yeah. one of the joyous moments for me yeah. is to just be sitting here, having a black brother preach man in God's image and to have a church family that hears it and says amen and that's how we want to relate to each other.